check, check, mic check. Moto 60 show presented by Maxis Tires, Pro Taper, and Get Data on PulpMX.com. Taking your calls and looking ahead to the races with your host, Steve Mattis. Welcome, everybody. We are live from Park City, Utah. Just a couple days away from the finale of the 2021 Monster Energy Supercross Series coming up here in Salt Lake City. Three championships to be decided. They're all kind of wrapped up, but lots to get into when it comes to the series. Some silly season stuff. We're going to take your questions on Twitter as well. No phone calls today, obviously, but uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it. Michael Antonovich from Swamp Moto Live and Jason Wygant will be joining us here shortly to talk about uh, the series and more. And again, thank you for listening. Thank you to Fly Racing. Their 2021 line of gear is out. Their kinetic mesh, uh, 21... 2021 and a half kinetic mesh available at dealers now. It might be even sold out. So if you've been on the fence about this stuff, you got to go get it right away. Uh, so please check that out. Your local dealer, your favorite e-tailer as well. Uh, call up the guys at Motorsport, for example. And also the uh, Rion uh, technology that is in the Formula Helmet is simply am- amazing. It's lightweight. It's quiet. It's super, super safe. You guys are also putting a big effort into uh, their Zone Pro goggles this year, and uh, their their light pant is totally redone for 2021. So if you're in the market for some fly racing stuff and you've been on the fence or you don't know, check it out, man. It's great. It works really well. And when you look at Zach Osborne, uh, who is the defending 450 motocross champion, he wears it as well as Brayton and others. Thanks to those guys for coming on board. Pro Taper as well. Chaparral, uh, Honda, Rockstar Husky, Star Racing, Yamaha, all using Pro Taper products. Whether it's a self-engaged launch assist system, whether it's a micro bar, they'll dial you in and thanks to protaper.com for coming on board this podcast and uh, they've got a lot of cool products fmf uh the FMF Vision line. Speaking of Osborne, we're running the FMF Vision goggle. Joey Savacci, Bogle, Peters, Osby, Lopes, all in the FMF goggle this year. Brand new for these guys. And a unique optics brand created in partnership with the brilliant minds who brought you 100%. A full range of goggles to meet every rider's needs. Introducing film system sand goggles, over the goggles, youth over the glasses, youth models, and more. Upgrade your goggle also in all arsenal with the power of fmf vision follow at fmf vision to see the latest from those guys max's tires a ray and rod bell uh, who made the 250 main event and jeremy smith of course all running max's tires out there whether it's mountain bikes tires whether it's utv tires light truck tires jeremy mcgrath also running max's tires we're going to talk to anton about that here right away and i want to thank the folks at get and athena uh they've got the wireless hour meter They've got Athena. The sister's company is Athena. They've got a lot of stuff going on there as well, too. So uh, please check it out. A lot of MXGP teams using it. They've got this uh, new front fender uh, RPM gauge, and uh, you're going to see that popping up when the MXGPs kick off from the folks at Get and Athena. So uh, please check those guys out as well. Fly Racing, Moto 60 Show. Let's get to our first guest here. Uh, This man has been very, very busy here in uh, uh, Salt Lake City. It's uh, Swap Moto Live's Michael Antonovich. What's up, Anton? How are you? What's going on, Mathis? Thanks for coming in. Uh, or thanks for being on, I should say. we got some questions from, uh, from uh, Twitter we'll get to in a little bit. You guys have been very busy. Um, uh, Jeremy McGrath is in town. He works with the folks at Maxis. And uh, you guys have been busy. What's been going on? Dude, this is like every kid's dream. You know, if you're a <laughs> 90s moto kid, early 2000s, like, you know MC's the man. Right. And so Jeremy came up. You know, he has a little spot up here in Park City, kind of by where you're staying. And uh, just the whole family's out. He's trying to get as much riding and content in for Maxis as he can. Maxis is a big supporter of Swap Model Live, Pulp MX2. So, yeah, we hit Flying Iron Horse Ranch on Tuesday and Wednesday. A um, couple little motos there. He ripped at 91 uh, KX125 yesterday, which I was, saw like, that. Yep. was painfully slow at altitude. But, I mean, what are you going to do on, like, a 30-year-old bike at, like, 5,000 feet? I believe, that was a was nine, cool. I, believe, I believe that was a 90, by the way. That's when he rode them. 90? Yeah. 
No, I th- I think Don said like there was one little thing that was off, but okay. I don't All know. Right. The bike is immaculate. Though. Yeah, it was it was a beautiful build. Uh, so got to watch him do that, and then Don and Chase are out with him right now riding mountain bikes while I get some other stuff on the website handle. But yeah, it's been good. You know, we get we get our whole weekend, and rather than just being slammed with three races in a row, we actually get to enjoy yeah. Salt Lake this week. So hanging out with MCC and all that, like you know, pinch me, I'm dreaming. I interviewed McGrath on camera. Yeah. Yeah, really. Right. And, uh, and what a cool guy for sure. Absolutely. So it sounds like a lot of fun. Always cool. So when will we, cool because when will we see we the video that. of MC on that Cowie 125? Uh, probably later this week. Okay. I mean, maybe early next week, but I know we got that one video of him on his 450 up. Uh, and then we came home last night. We had, we had to take Sean Brennan from Feld, you know, our supercross media, uh, consigliere out to, go mountain biking on bobsled and everything so that kind of got in the way but yeah we'll, we'll put that up later this week or first part of next week yeah very busy this week uh yeah you, you stop by the uh pulp mech show as well on monday night thanks for that uh up on the website too nick schmidt he is going for the pulp mech yamaha lcq money he basically has it wrapped up i believe uh it would take a disaster for him to not get it um but uh, you did a little cool video interview with him on that yeah yeah did that just for you you know yamaha guy um it's a Yamaha sponsored thing too. And, and it was cool to hear Nick talk about all these things. You know, it's not been the year maybe that he expected. Um, he's had real good success in these last few rounds, right. uh, but good. You know, he hasn't made a main event, uh, maybe even a little bit intentionally at times to get your money. I agree. But, I, I think uh, it seems like he's checked up a couple of times uh, and he admitted it, you know, but like, that's what you wanted. You said you wanted guys checking up in corners yes. and going through all this. So he, you got your wish, um, but <laughs> cool to hear that. And he's made a lot of progress. We talked about that kind of stuff. Um, and it's an awesome program that you guys got going on. So I know a lot, what's, what's the last day that we can buy tickets for that? Uh, Monday, Monday afternoon. So or Monday night before the show. Yeah, we can do that. So, um, yeah, the the, uh, the money's been rolling in. I'm always worried every year about it not meeting expectations. You know, it's it's climbed the both years we've done it, and uh, yeah, we've got 10k in the last two days, so it's 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 climbing up. So which is good. So Nick and Jeremy Smith and, and Ronnie Stewart and all these guys should get a nice chunk of change. Cool, that'll be good. Um, hey, so uh, we're we're not going to see. I mean, I guess look, Cooper's 20 up. I don't even know what Paul Webb is up. He's up a lot. Um, um, and um, Colt Nichols is up by a bunch, too. We're not really going to see any drama this weekend. But I do think, like, Cooper Webb, Colt Nichols, and Justin Cooper really take it easy and just do what they got to do. I don't think any of the three guys are going to win their races. Um, this is a big night for all of them. And so what do you think? Do you think any of them are going to just, you know, take charge of this thing? Or do you think they just do what they got to do to bring this thing home? Um, I would think for especially the 250 guys that the showdown is always just such chaos. And you just need to put it in. Just get in do your laps, get it over with. There's no point in fighting for anything else right now. Just get your championship. And that's what's most important. Uh, I'm sure that a guy like Justin Cooper would like to make it a point to show everybody that he is like, you know, one of the most dominant riders in the 250 class and everything. But at the same time too, pros and cons, and you got to figure out like, if you're not in a position to get that, there's no point in, in trying to go above and beyond and then risk crashing and then losing points or getting hurt. Cause we, we can see how fast things change, you know, look at how well Christian was riding Friday and Saturday. And then in one moment it's gone. So I, I do think that we're going to see like none of the championship contenders in the two fifty class on the podium. I think it's going to be like jet Hunter and probably like Seth Hamaker just mm-hmm. because we get wild stuff like that at the showdown. And then for the four fifty class, Cooper is so far ahead. Um, but knowing how he is as a racer, he's going to want to put a good result in. He's not going to like cruise around in tenth. Like he he wants to be up near the front. One thing, but that, I don't think okay. wins. I don't think yeah. wins. Yeah, yeah. One thing that's interesting to me is Hunter Lawrence uh, is second in the uh, in the series in the West. He's two up on McAdoo, and from what I know, Hunter Lawrence only has a top two bonus from Honda in the points. So he's two up on McAdoo. So he, if if McAdoo's ahead of Hunter Lawrence. Really look for that battle, everybody. Keep an eye on that one because Hunter Lawrence, it's second or bust for him uh, for as far as a podium bonus from Honda. And, and honestly, there's a lot of guys that are like that all the way through the path. Like you look at Tickle. Tickle's in 15th right now. We know Moto Concepts has pretty good payout if you finish in the top 15 for that. So that's really what a lot of those guys fight for. 
and then you look elsewhere through the pack, there's only a handful of points like uh, splitting a couple guys from their career best finishes. You know what I mean? So we're going to see a lot of that stuff. Guys like, um, you know, looking even just between the the top five guys, Plessinger, Anderson, and Malcolm are all split by like 19 points. That's pretty big. It seems like AP's got fifth on lock, but then like Jason and Malcolm, both of those guys are going to want to finish as good as they can and the season on a good result. There's a lot of that backwards and forwards all the way through the pack right now. Yeah, it does. It does matter for these guys for sure. Um, I'm going to ask Weege this question later on. Uh, he's going to join us here on the Fly Racing Moto 60 show after after we're done with you. But so Webb's Webb's 22 up. He's going to win his second 450 championship, and he's going to break a string, Anton, of four years where we just had a brand new champion uh, four years in a row. Now Stu's got two. Chad's got two. Generally speaking, since the dawn of Jeremy McGrath, speaking of which, we've had guys on multi-year runs, Ricky and Jeremy and four for Dungey and four for Villapoto. And now for the first time in four years, we're going to have a, a repeat champion in Webb. Which way does Webb go, Anton? Does he Is he going to be one of those guys to put another couple in there and join the ranks of Dungeon Villapoto? Or is he going to be two-timer uh, like Stu and Chad and that type of guys? I mean, still an all-timer. Don't get me wrong. Still one of the best ever. But uh, which way do you see this going for Cooper Webb in, in the future? Well, I mean, if you look back at last year, he could have been a two-time guy last year if you take out that Arlington crash. So, you know, he, he was right there in it, rode phenomenal when we got up here to Utah, closed a big points gap. I, I think Cooper, if he stays with the program that he's on, you know, at KTM in an environment that he likes, no big changes, no nothing like that. There's no reason that he shouldn't continue to be one of the top guys in the sport because he is a couple years younger than mm-hmm. the guys that are ahead of him or around him. Yep. You know, Eli's a few years older. Kenny's a couple years older. These guys are at different points in their careers. So Cooper's kind of in the prime of his, time right now where other guys are kind of on the back not like they're done or fading out or whatever but cooper has all the possibility to be the guy from here on out that kind of takes some control of it and i wouldn't be surprised to see him be a three-time supercross champion a one-time 450 outdoor champion at some point in time like he's going to end his career with a couple more titles i think do you feel like honestly i've thought that since the first time that he got on that on that ktm First time I saw him at Monster Cup, uh, what was that, 2018? I'm like, dude, that's a whole different rider on that bike now. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly a, a huge change. Um, do you feel like like Tomac, I, I, it's, this is a big summer for Tomac, right? I've said this a few times. He's 28 years old. Weege and I have broken this down. I think JT is also like, he just doesn't seem to have that extra 1% that he used to have. He can win when things fall in place, but he's not balls out through the pack you know, the dominant guy and he's 28, which is the time when things start, you know, going a little South for a guy. I just wonder this summer, do we see, cause if we don't see Tomac uh, this summer be the guy again, then I don't see how 2022 supercross will see Eli Tomac be the guy again. And that's where I'm working with this point where, so you, you eliminate him, you eliminate Barsha. I don't think, uh, AP, I don't think Anderson, Mookie have the ability to be championship contenders. Now I'm looking at 2022, Anton, and I'm looking at Webb. I'm looking at Roxon again. I'm looking at Sexton and AC. Um, well, here's the thing with that. Do we want somebody to just be dominant and just winning everything? Like, we, we like the parity that we've gotten this year. And I completely agree with you how these next 12 races of the summer go for Eli are going to say a lot. I wrote something for Adam Wheeler's on track off road on this exact topic. Like Eli is at that point in his life where you start backing it down. He has a kid. He has another kid on the way. He's got plenty of money in the bank and he's done all of the work to get himself to this point. You know, if you, and honestly, if you look back at like John's uh, mountain bike career, John would come back and still win stuff every now and then, even if he wasn't like the top, top guy, he would still come in, shake it up, be really, really good. And then, you know, be a big factor. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's cool. And if that's something that Eli is okay with not winning every single race and just being there and, and being part of it. And if he's content with that, there's no reason why he shouldn't stay in the sport. But if he wants to win, and wants to go for like, you know, 10 wins in a season and it doesn't happen and he gets jaded and burned out by it, then I think we would have a problem. But I don't see that from him. I think that like 
he understands his place right now. Right. He's accomplished everything that he needs to accomplish. If the wins come, he's going to go for them. If they're not, he's not going to make something happen that's not there. And if we get to enjoy one of the fastest guys that have, we've seen in, in the last 15 years for another two years, we should enjoy it rather than wonder when it's going to go away. Because I think yeah, like we yeah. as, I think we as uh, race fans and people that are in the sport, rather than enjoying it when these guys are around, we kind of start wondering like, well, how much longer do they got? Well, man, enjoy it while they're here because you never get to see them again. Like think about how many guys in the past that were like, they go away and you're like, you look back on their career and you're like, man, it was great when he was there. I wish that that guy stuck around. Don't drive them out and enjoy them while they're here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think we're just used to, you know, um, obviously Chad went a long time, but Dungeon Villapoto, like we're out. We got money, we got legacy, we're out, right? So we're used to that a little bit instead of instead of a guy like Tomac hanging around and being just a two or three race winner during the year, which is still yeah. awesome, which is still awesome. But the level of excellence that we, we that these guys are used to and these guys do sometimes indicates that they don't want to do that kind of stuff. You know? Yeah. So, well, I mean, yeah. and listen to what Martin said on Monday night on your show. There comes a point in time where these guys don't want to do yeah. the things that they have to do anymore. The pace gets elevated. Guys start doing bigger stuff. You look at a guy like Chase Sexton, who's sending it like he is not afraid. Yeah. You know, does he, I want to do that at 28 years old. If you only have maybe two years of your career left, mm-hmm. do you want to miss a significant yeah. portion of it out with injury? because you try to do something to keep pace with some kid that's got something to prove when you've already proven your entire career. Yes. Not really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, you're, you're totally right. So, uh, Salt Lake city two coming up here, uh, this weekend, it'll, uh, it'll be interesting. Anton, and speaking of on track off road for Adam, I wrote this too. It'll be interesting. So the supercar season will be complete. We will have gotten through it without any big names missing a race due to COVID, which I find rather amazing. Uh, a Ray, Mr. Race, uh, Hartraff, Mr. Race, but none of those guys that were sort of tested at the track um, got it right, from what I understand. So mm-hmm. that's pretty amazing that 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 happened. It didn't turn into this thing that, that we've seen in, in hockey and baseball and basketball uh, this year with COVID. So in 2022, Anton, do you predict? And, and, you know, this goes to a greater question of, of world health and everything else. But do you think we are right back to normal in 2022 for the series and pits are open, fans are around, and, and everything else goes back to normal? Um, I think we'll be closer, but I don't think it'll be – we will never be back to what we were, I don't think. No. And, and even to what you wrote, we will make changes as a result of how the last two years have gone things that we were pretty archaic and outdated. We're not going to do anymore. Um, the Dior signing stuff, things like that, that's dead. Yeah. It's over. But I do think that, I mean, Feld is really, really pushing to try to get people back in the seats. If you look at how many fans are in the stands at Salt Lake city, how many fans were in Atlanta step-by-step as the season went on yeah. as restrictions got lax and capacity limits were able to go back up. They want to have people back. I would say, if we're not to 100% capacity by next year, which I would kind of doubt in stadiums, especially when they're owned by cities and states and all that, I would think like we get closer and closer, but I don't, I think we're still like a ways off from it being just thousands of people packed elbow to elbow like it used to be. Right. Like, dude, it's crazy because I look at, um, I looked at a photo from like the 2016 Motocross of Nations in Majora, and the whole hillside is packed. And part of me is like, wow, that is unbelievable. And I don't know when the next time I'm going to see that in my life will be, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and, they're, uh, they're a gate driven company. So they're going to get, I, I believe they're, they're going to go back to selling hundred percent tickets and everything else. I think as soon as, as soon as they can, which as I, soon as they can, which I think will be next year. But yes, I think the signings in the pits, the dealer signings on Friday night, that type of stuff. I think we're, I think we're over that stuff. I think we're done. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing too, I know a lot of people would be like, well, you know, nobody tested positive. All these racers didn't this, this, and this. Is there some conspiracy as to why that happened? I don't believe that in the same way that other sports have had their issues later on. And the reason for that is a lot of us think that we already had this issue last year, the first part of last year. A lot of us were sick. We were traveling. Our season was well underway kind of before other people started having those problems. And we're in co- like our racers are in contact with the public far, far more than any other professional athlete is. Right. 
So I think that their ability to kind of come down with something or, or all of that has happened. And a lot of guys were having issues, you know, in December and January. Brandon Hartraft had it a few weeks ago. Like, it is still a factor. Right. You know what I mean? But it's just, I, I don't know if, I don't know. I don't know if, like, we were just so lucky or if all the stuff that we, that everybody had to do worked because I know a lot of the OEMs, like the factory teams were very strict on what their people could and couldn't do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, absolutely. And that's going to continue into the summer months because I think when we get outdoors, it's still going to be very restricted, even though it is outdoors and all these other things, these big OEMs that have millions of dollars on the line and lots of employees that they have to look after. We're still going to follow a lot of protocol through the next few months, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It'll be interesting to see what happens and uh, and what changes forward. But for, for now, I mean, we got one more to go, so knock on wood, but this has been a fairly error-free, successful Supercar Series, which I wasn't 100% sure going in that we were going to see that. So props to the guys that fell for pulling it off. Um, it wasn't always easy. But, man, I think all things considered, it went pretty well. The formats, the, Dude, the, the days, yeah. the, the, you know, the, the races themselves, everything. Yeah, I completely agree. When they put the wristband on my arm yesterday after I passed my last test, I was like, whoa, dude, I did 17 of these. Yeah. Never had an issue, never anything. And it, it, it was unbelievable to me and kind of like, kind of like not to get sappy, but kind of emotional because when, when we went to Houston, I was like, I'm not sure how far we're going to get on this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. There were just so many things that could have roadblocked us. In, in every way, shape, and form, and to get through this, like props to everyone involved in this. I know everybody has had their challenges this year, from us as media people to Feld to the AMA as race officials. Everything is harder this year than I think people expect. You know, yeah. we are short-staffed. We're way overworked compared to years past. There's part shortages that are out there. There's a lot of factors that had everything that could have made this a disastrous season. And yet we skirted all those issues and here we are with one race to go. And uh, so this is something I don't think we talked about you with, but I know I did with Weege and JT. I think, uh, look, Feld has wanted uh, more than 17 races for a long time. They've always been butting up against the outdoors and the teams don't want really any more races and everything else. And all that goes. Uh, And NBC sports is the TV partner again. So I think we will see some Tuesday or Wednesday races next year, as well as the 17 weekends. Uh, I know the teams would be like no more races, but I think Feld can maybe point to, to TV ratings, point to TV revenue. Maybe they share some of it. Oh wait, I'm sorry, I, that that was bad. Uh, but you know what I mean. Maybe we I can hope. <laughs> yeah, I mean they should. That's another topic for another time. But I think they will show the teams that this can be done. The, they'll rent the stadium. They'll use the same dirt. They'll have amateur. They'll have future uh, futures futures in there. I think this is a way for Fell to get to 19 or more and fit it all in. And I think the team saw that they can turn it around from a Saturday to a Tuesday and everyone is okay. And the riders like the money. The riders like the non-training you know, training and more racing. So I think we see a little more midweek races. I don't know about four or five or six, but I think we see a couple, Anton. What do you think? Yeah, definitely on the West Coast, too. If we get back to the West Coast, I think those places like Anaheim, San Diego, those hotbeds of motoculture are probably going to see more stuff. Um, And I agree with you, too. Racers want to race more. They want to make more money. In Indianapolis, Zach Osborne and I were kind of having a conversation, and he's like, I don't mind this. Like, maybe if we went to Wednesday or something and we had a bigger break to – get another day off to get the teams to prepare to have like the gear guys and, and things like that. A little bit more time would be nice, but they don't mind. And it's been inevitable. Like you said, that Feld was going to expand. They've been wanting to do it for years. They've slowly kind of done it and then backed off. You know, we, we've always heard about the rumored plans do international. I think that's off the table probably for another five years, realistically. Um, but I totally see, especially with the, uh, addition of speedways into it too. That's going to be a huge thing where we go towards that. I think more in the future, because like you said, uh, to rent them is cheaper. The dirt is there. And then if they want to do supercross futures, look at the facility that was at Atlanta motor speedway, how many campground sites there were, how yeah. many, all of all these things you could just cash in so hard. 
in one week, yep. dude. Yeah, no, I, it's I, a no-brainer. The only and you know, if you're NBC Sports, you're getting some live racing uh, on a, on a Tuesday or Wednesday night when typically there's not much going on. They lost the NHL package, so they don't have those games going on. Um, it just makes sense. Maybe Feld can get some more TV revenue, and maybe the teams can be convinced that this works. And and I I think it makes too much sense. I think we will see it happen. And um, you know, even the ticket sales on a Tuesday or Wednesday don't need to be that big for all the reasons we just laid out. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see if we if we go that way um yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be different though it, it, this will be one of those times like when the jam sports ama clear channel fiasco happened like mm-hmm. we will see there will be like push is going to come to shove and somebody's going to get their feelings hurt and but it's inevitable it's business yeah. and sorry but that is what it is do you think at all and this is this is pure speculation on my point everybody so i haven't heard this at all but just something that's been creeping into my head a little bit. Do you think Kenny lines up for all 12 outdoors? Uh, I've been wondering the same thing. Okay. You know, <laughs> I, I really have. Um, I feel for the guy. Like, I really do. And I know, like like JT said in your guys' review pod the other day, don't feel bad for these guys or anything like that because they have money in the bank. They're good. They're living their dream. They have everything that they could ever want and, and all that. For Ken, he needs to look at this year, though, as a success. He's never been this close in a Supercross championship in his life. He has everything that he could ever ask for with his family, with popularity, with amazing bike skill. He's back to the top level in the sport. Mm -hmm. And rather than get beat down by this, look at it as a building year. Go into next year knowing, okay, this is what Cooper's going to do. This is how I need to be through all 17 races or 19 races or however many we have and keep going from there. On to the summer point, though, after seeing how these last few weeks go and especially seeing kind of his demeanor after the Atlanta race uh, in the Red Bull Motorspike video that came out today, it's taken a toll on him, dude. Right, you know, it, right. you, you can't get beat down every week and put a smile on. Like, it, it gets hard. So I could see where he might be a little flustered going into the summer. And, I, you know, who knows? You get to the middle part of July or August or whatever, and there's three races to go, and you're not really in it, and you just, like, bailout or something it's not unthinkable yeah it would be interesting to see for sure uh how that goes and i I mean i think i think he does it but uh there's a little bit of me for sure that i think he does it too right yeah there's it's always one of those like creeping doubts that we have of like well you did it once already and this is a better year but there's also still some similarities the last year of this like late season taper Mm -hmm. is this is this a problem forever is this just what is it, you know, yeah. and, and how do we address it? If he didn't take the summer off last year, there is no way he's in the championship fight that he's in this year. Yeah, if he doesn't, and you no, know, I agree with you on that. Uh, he, he needed the break. He was running pretty ragged. If he doesn't win Salt Lake City 2, which in this case, it doesn't seem like he will, he'll have um, one race uh, win in the, la- in the last nine. You know, like it'll be the second half of the series will have one win for him. That'll be it, mm-hmm. um, which is not, you know, not a, not a great look for, for that, for a guy who once had a 16-point lead in the series. So, yeah. Uh, uh, one more thing on the whole Kenny deal. He does have a history in his career of kind of burning the candle at both ends of it. You know, back when he was with Alden and when he split from that, there was a lot of, like, his body was depleted. And then you, you take that and then you have the back-to-back injuries and all of the stress that his body has gone through. It is understandable to see, like, maybe he doesn't have everything that other guys have. And maybe it is harder for him to recover, or maybe he has to do these other things, and it's more complex. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it's a lot. Like, that's part of it, though. You have, to be, you have to be in it every single weekend and figure out how you're not going to get burned down when you get to those key points in the season where maybe you've been strong in the beginning, and then other guys start coming on, and you start faltering. You have to be steady from start to finish. And that's what Ryan Dungey did. I mean, that was the key to all of it. Michael Antonovich on the Fly Racing uh, Moto 60 show. A couple questions from Twitter before we go. At RedHaze119, is it time to put some rules in place in regards to traction control, data acquisition, GPS tracking, and so on? And is all the electronic gadgets that find its way to production bikes mostly just an added cost for the consumer? What do you think, Anton? Um, I think that, like, we need to have that kind of technology stuff. I mean, if you guys want bikes to advance and if you want the best equipment that comes out, let the teams do it. They need to have that edge. If we got to like MotoGP has a couple spec parts and things like that, ECUs that that teams can't really control. There's some traction control things. 
but like traction control on the bikes that are out there, unless you know something that I don't know, I don't think it's this like crazy conspiracy of factory teams having stuff that other guys don't have. I, I think that everybody's pretty limited on knowing like what you can program into your ignition spike, like on an RPM, that's what you're going to do. Uh, the other thing is like, you don't have to buy the latest and greatest bike all the time. Like just like buying a car, you don't have to buy a loaded Cadillac. You can buy a Chevy, you know, Cavalier if you wanted to. And I think that like that will always be an option for OEMs. And that's why KTM made the gas gas acquisition. They want a low cost bike and then they want a high cost bike with their rate, like with the factory edition KTM stuff. So I, I think you kind of got to have it, but then as consumers, you guys get to pick and choose what you want to buy anyway. I think the the people behind the scenes of these on these data uh, acquisition stuff uh, on the teams are really really smart and it does help when you can lay out your track map for 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 an outdoor stadium or for an outdoor motocross track and determine which corner you want to apply so much throttle to mm-hmm. you know so that that but it's the people doing it not the machines right you can you can have that yeah. for other stuff too it's just that they have the people that that uh, that know what they're doing with that so. Um, and, but you know, when it comes to the AMA, like, sorry, they have a a 30 year track record of not being able to know what the hell's going on in the sport. Do I trust them to govern and, 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 and make the right choices and dole out the equipment and all of that? I do not at this point, I don't trust them to know what's going on in the sport. So as far as, you know, you say MotoGP, you know, stuff that is, uh, that is spec. I just, I don't feel like the AMA can do that. I just, I don't have confidence in that. And somebody said something, you know, we've had a lot of issues this year. Like, let's not deny that the AMA a couple times has faltered. A couple times they've been pretty good. But the mistakes get magnified much, much more than the good calls do. If you guys, like, if you wanted to put more responsibility into the AMA, that means the teams are going to lose a little bit of their freedom, too. So that's always been a power struggle. Do the teams have too much uh, control? Does the promoter have too much control? Mm -hmm. The officials have too much control? All three groups need to come together at one time and agree on something rather than each one having their own agenda, not really communicating, right. trying to like skirt the rules however they can. The only way that they're going to do this stuff is if everybody gets on the same page. And um, I've been talking to a lot of people lately. I know you have too. It seems like we've never been closer ever to people wanting to like make forward progress and everybody now realizes if we're not working together we're not working at all you hope so you hope so it's almost took a pandemic for people to to kind of jump in the same boat together right um yeah last question for you from at loopy 127 how do barsha's outdoor results differ being on gas gas now what do you see this summer i'm very interested to see this because even just watching justin ride supercross like that bike is so compact and how he's going i'll be really interested to interested to see how their setup translates outdoors because that bike seems like real rigid, you know, uh, real reactive, like real punchy. And does that work when you're going like 50 or wide open through Unadilla? I don't know. Um, I, I'm like, seriously, like you yeah. watch him ride. It's completely different than the Barsha that we've seen through the last couple of years when he was on Yamaha, he was a little bit more, uh, rear wheel ish you know, and then now it's just, he's over the front aggressive as could be. I'd like to see Barsha get some good outdoor finishes, but I think he's like Eli at this point too. You know, he's done enough. If he's a factor in the, the wind lines up for a podium, he goes for it, mm-hmm. but also he's got to get out of these bad positions to have two pretty good crashes. You know, the way that he did on Saturday night, that's very yeah. uncharacteristic of him. But then, you know, look at that photo that we posted on SWAT Moto Live's Instagram this week. His bars are completely twisted and he's still going for it so he has the want to put in good results yeah and he's one of those guys that doesn't want to end his career struggling no absolutely not you're right about that fly racing moto 60 show uh thanks anton i appreciate the uh the insight and uh we'll see you this saturday man all right thanks boys always good to have you on or Thanks for always having me on, Steve. I appreciate it. No worries. Thanks, Anton. Uh, Fly yeah, Racing, uh, FMF, uh, FMF Vision, and folks at Maxis, Pro Taper, and Get and Athena all on board with us here on the show. And uh, let's bring in our next guest here. He is uh, my boss at Racer X Online. It's Jason Wygan. What's up, Weege? Wow. Supercross is done. Dude, right? It's it's And so we were just talking about this with Anton. Um, it's amazing. It's kind of like... 
I'm actually shocked it went as smooth as it, it did. I figured there would be some disruption somewhere with a state, a county, a stadium, major COVID positive tests, whatever. But we did it. Knock on wood with one to go. I did not expect the uh, state local government thing to be a problem. I feel like if you could pull it off in 2020, it would have been worse then. And we pull it off then. That wasn't my worry. My worry was obviously people, you know, a Ray had to sit out a race or two, uh, but it didn't have an effect on anyone who like needed every single point for a title. Yep. And uh, I think we all figured that would be yes. the case for if you pick the top 10 in points, that all 10 never had a problem. I don't think we expected that. I agree. Uh, it, it is uh, yeah. it is pretty neat to see what would happen. So I wrote a story for Adam Wheeler's On Track Off-Road magazine about the series going forward from here. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think track walk comes back. I think we see some midweek races. I don't think dealer signings come back. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Where are we at in 2022? Yeah, there's definitely pieces of this. I think anything that does come back is kicking and screaming, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, the I, I can see the teams and manufacturers forcing the dealer signings to come back. I think they will because I think the dealers and the manufacturers will demand it. But now that everyone's got a taste of not doing it, it's going to be kicking and screaming. If the mid-week races go away, I think the riders and teams liked it so much, it would be kicking and screaming to not bring them back. So there's going to be serious resistance because it's so odd that this thing led to so many positive experiments. Um, like not having to sign autographs during the day in the pits. Can you imagine what an annoyance that is? If you're Eli Tomac, just name one guy that you got to sign autographs for 45 minutes on race day. Right, right, right. They're not going to want to bring that back. No. But if you're felled and you're like, we're trying to get people in these pits, that's why they're coming. Yep. Yeah, yep. absolutely. No, it, it's uh, totally going to be interesting to see what they do. I don't think that st- kind of stuff comes back. Maybe they do a Friday night at the, at the at the stadium thing. Yeah, and the only thing I could think of that could maybe trip them into not bringing those dealer signings back. The dealer signing is something they just always had, right? right? They just did it. It's just grandfathered in. Maybe no one is – has anyone done any actual research? Are they basing this on – this dealer said X amount of stuff happens, which results in X amount of sales, X amount of revenue. There's probably never been a study on that, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. Who knows, right? Actually, it barely makes any difference at all, so why go through it? Maybe. That'd be the only chance, I think, that they just keep them from coming back. Yeah, yeah, maybe, right? Yeah. No one's actually ever yep. figured that out, right? No one's ever been, They just do it because they did it. No one, there was no reason to ever analyze it. Uh, midweek races are the real key. That's the biggest these yep. are all relatively window dressing, except for that. You keep saying you think they're back. I keep saying I'll believe it when I see it. So right. we'll see who wins. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I, I think we'll. I think we'll squeeze a couple in there. So I don't. We don't have that much time for me to yell and scream about Nate Thrasher not racing this weekend because he doesn't want to point. Uh, he doesn't want to add a point in. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah. Fucking ridiculous. Just ridiculous. You've got this kid that's a rookie that's won some races. You know, there's a big-time shootout here. He could really jump in there and show, you know, really get some confidence or really put his mark on if he if he podiumed or won the damn thing. Um, and they're keeping him down, even though injuries are so high in our sport and you, you can't predict the future. But here we are, year one. Year one. Not year three. Not year four. Year one of a guy taking a dive. Welcome to motocross, everybody. Welcome to Supercross Rules. Just a joke, Weege. Just a joke. Hey, in all racing, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's all racing and all sports. It's not fine. It's their job it's not fine. to take the rule book and push it and find every gray area and every angle and anything they can possibly do to get the best result for the team. That's what they do in all sports. So I don't know what the difference is and why that's not cool here. Like the defensive back does everything he can up until being called for pass interference. So, and we literally just went through this when we gave poor Will Hahn a heart attack, when we thought the AMA rule said Colt Nichols is out this year and can't defend. And he said, yes, he can. And it literally was like 50, 50. So they just lived it. They just lived how much that one extra year of going over or under the point threshold makes a massive difference. So, okay. Well, yeah, I mean, again, you won them at all. We got a rookie kid taking a dive, not racing. Weege. he's not. It's not that he's, you know, uh, playing a pass interference rules because that defensive back is still playing the game. This gentleman is not lining up for the race. They're just taking the rule book so, and, do, okay. and, and doing whatever they can for the best possible result for themselves. So if you're Thor, yeah. if you're Thor and your Pro Taper and your Monster, all huge sponsors of that. 
you're perfectly fine with a race winner sitting out. You pay this team to field a team. You pay them money to field the best lineup of four guys they can or two guys, like two guys on each coast, whatever the rules call for. You write this big check, and you're fine with the rider just sitting on the sidelines. Oh, yeah. They don't care at all. They don't. We've seen this sliding scale a million times. A rider struggling, a team struggling. Suddenly, the sponsor's like, this isn't good enough. We're paying you to do better than this. But then other times where there's much more egregious things, they don't even care. Riders getting hurt, riders not showing up. They never do anything. Like you've said a million times, like this rider should come on my show or this rider should do more media. He's being paid millions of dollars by all these companies. Do they care about that at all? No, at all. No, they don't. No, they don't. So I don't think there's a single person or sponsor involved with the team that is mad about this. Maybe they should be. Right, but they do. Not I'm more them. like they should be. Like I would be like, "Hey man, yeah. you're not fielding your your best team. Hey man, you right. got you got this kid that's a race winner. You know what do we always say about the, the just whatever argument is convenient? They'll talk about we need exposure yeah, yeah, when they yeah. need it, no, and then when sure. they don't need it, like oh, they're like, wait, this increases their chances of getting a title out of this guy four years from now. Sign us up. But we the amount of guys that point out is so small because of all these rules that we just went on Racer X Online website this week. Uh, yes. uh, we, the, the amount of guys that actually point out are so small. I know, but unfortunately, they just literally saw this example flash before their eyes. They just literally saw it happen. If Nichols had gone over the threshold one other random year, if he did it in 2016 or something, that's the difference between him being able to defend next year or having to move to the 450s, which is a monumental change. So I think they just live this, and they're like, anything we can do to help our odds of well, not being in position again we're gonna do it we are now at the point everyone listening we are now at the point where riders are taking dives in year one so this is where we're at year one guys are taking dives we we saw it on year threes we saw it on year fours we saw it out we are now at year one so now the next step is someone just Mm -hmm. won't even race they'll just practice i guess forever they just i have to say the only thing i can think of about this being a bad precedent is you literally like now you've realized thrasher had the model season this is the best case scenario he yes. won two races yes he was going to win the title so we don't care where he finished in the other rounds you know the difference in him finishing as we know a million times right third and fourth and points they don't care right 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 so the best case scenario is win a bunch of races which makes you look awesome but don't do well enough in the others so you don't point out it's perfect yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I agree so with you on that. That's the only thing I worry about where someone's going to be like, hey, man, you need to have a Thrasher-like season and just get us a couple wins and then get a bunch of ninths because that's the best-case scenario. That's the part I do worry about. I just I, I just, I just, worry about the sport a little bit when shit like this is happening. I hate to be overdramatic here, but I just worry about the state of the sport when things like this well, are happening. You know, I just Let me take this from another angle. Is it star racing is the problem or is it the rule book is the problem? Are they just using the rule book? Is the rule book the problem or should they not be exploiting the rule book? Both. Both. I think both can be. Yeah. I think, I think you have an honor. I think you have an honor to ice your best lineup. You know okay. what I mean? I think you have, you, you have that sort of uh, for the sponsors, for the fans, for the sport, put out yeah. your best lineup. on. I would love to see Thrasher in a shootout. You know what I mean? That'd be great. Um, and then I think for the sponsors, you need to do them right because they write you a lot of money. And then, yes, the rule book also is a clown show as you just dug into this week. Like the AMA right. got it wrong. The AMA told you the wrong thing because it was they so. Did. We, we, right. we confirmed with them and they got confused uh, with their own rule. Yes. You know. I think what it comes down to is you're trying to make a perfect rule and there is no such thing as a perfect rule for anything, for anything. I don't care if it's a law. Uh, you, you can see how politics works right now. You cannot come up with one law rule, anything that makes everybody happy. So in lieu of being able to massage it and tweak it and make it all complex, fit every situation, which you can't just make it as simple as possible. One of the former 250 team owners, a 250 team that no longer exists. Yes. They had a big insurance sponsor, and they rode red bikes. This gentleman had a great idea, which you'll get into, but he also had a terrible idea where he counts 250 Supercross points for national numbers. Oh, was that his idea? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. I remind them that all all the time. All your angst. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yes. His thing is, you're like, just make a total career of points. There you go. Perfect. Yep. Picking, I don't know what the number. We would have to figure out the magic number needs to be. It'd be like you know yeah, four hundred points. You know what he used? Done. He you know he used actually Troll Train and Jimmy D as the benchmarks when he was coming up with this. <laughs> yes, he, he's like, look, Jimmy D has been in the class nine years. 
yeah. but only has 400 points. That's fine. You know, that's what he was saying. Like, that's that's fine. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. nine years is crazy, but he's missed a bunch and he hasn't been that good and blah, blah, blah. I liked it. Well, I liked that I rule. That is good. And even further, you know, the real guy it's for is for, you know, I don't know, like the privateer guy who who makes some mains here and there. You know, like if he wants to raise two fifties for for ten years Great. and make some mains, yes, we don't need to boot him. You know, because he's never going to score enough points to get to that career point. Or and, and yeah. also the teams, some of these smaller teams just can afford yeah. to do eight races, which is cool. Great, you know. Yes, like a Chris Blose, like we love Chris Blose. I don't know. Would he have ever gotten to the point if you just said career point? Like no one has a problem with Blose racing two fifty class. I don't think. Right. 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 So. You know, you would set it at enough points where he wouldn't go over and he could still do his thing. But if you're really good, you know, the fast, the more points you score, the faster you are, the faster you're out. The longer you're in, the slower you go. Yeah, that would work. His national points for Supercross is ridiculous, but I I don't see where a rule where career points can, can, yeah, I, I feel perfectly fine with that, whatever number you want to set. Here it is. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you would never be able to, in the Thrasher situation, they'd never be able to be like, we can figure now that these 20 right. points you might score on Saturday could come back to haunt you. No, no, no. Because no. this is a very black and white. This is a year or not a year. Yep. So and, and, maybe, and maybe you do something yeah. where if you win three titles, you're out, even if you're under those points. You know, because. Yeah, you know or even I mean? two, whatever. Yeah, whatever it is. But, but yeah, if you win a certain amount of titles under 500 points, you're now you're out. But that's it. And there's no black and white. And then th- there we go. That's it. Career points. So uh, I'm with you that it needs to be changed. It's, 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 it's a poor look when Nate Thrasher's not lining up for one of the biggest 250 Supercross races of the year. So. Yeah, um, I, I agree. Uh, all right. But I have no problem with exploring the rule book to your own game. Okay. Yep. Well, uh, yep. all right. So Nichols, uh, Webb, and uh, Cooper have this thing on lock. I don't look for them to do anything outside of just kind of ride around. Do you see any of the three winning their races? Yeah, I actually could. Do you? Okay. Uh, see that happening? Yeah, I actually could because I don't. I don't think the points are close enough where it really matters. You know. Um, if it was a 12 point lead or a 10 point lead, maybe you got to ride conservatively. But at this point, it's like, if you just make the main, you're in, like, I don't know what the difference is. If you're, if you're web and you hold shot, actually, if you're any of those three guys and you hold shot, why wouldn't you just try to win it? Is yeah. it that much riskier? No, no. Yep. Yeah. So I, I could see between the three guys betting on one of them to win when, you know, there are <laughs> and any given weekend, Cooper Nichols or web winning a race doesn't seem that crazy. Right. I would not bet against it. Um, I don't think it's so close that they need to cruise for seven. Uh, so there you go. So something yep. Anton and I touched on a little bit, and, and again, this is pure speculation. I have no, no, I haven't talked to anybody about this. Do you see Roxon lining up for the Nationals without a shred of doubt in your mind? I only believe it's more likely that he will than yes. he won't. But okay. you ask me shred of doubt. Yeah. No, there's a shred of doubt. Okay, all right. No S- same as me. I, I think no I'm, doubt there's a shred of doubt. Right. I'm, I'm with yeah. you also. Like, I think yeah. it'll happen. But I would yeah. not be surprised. I think he's done an excellent job of keeping his health mentally and physically as best as he can on track this season, better than most. Right. But I think he knows, like, no matter how prepared he is, no matter what precautions he takes, there is always that chance. We're back to 12 rounds now, 24 motos. We're back to the middle of the summer, not the fall races that we got last year. Right. I think he knows there's no way to predict it. Okay. Um, There's no way to predict that he's going to go smoothly. So uh, all right, maybe he pulls the plug. I asked for some questions on Twitter for all of us uh, on the Fly Race and Moto 60 show presented by Maxis, FMF Vision, Get, and Pro Taper. Uh, at Dylan Smith says, how do you feel about having two 250 classes? One, regional series for the first and second year rider to introduce him to Supercross. The second series will do all 17 just like the 450s. That class will be filled with the 250 factory riders. I like it. Yeah, I don't mind that. There's a lot of great ideas. I just don't see any of them happening. <laughs> um, I'm not going to go into a rant. I'm not going into a rant hardcore on the AMA rulebook, um, as confusing as it is. Um, um, it is tough to make perfect rules, and I'm not even going to get mad about it. But that particular thing, there are so many logical things about different classes, and I've heard so many ideas from so many fans and so many right. even people. <laughs> And I'm just like, yeah, but it just ain't gonna happen, right? And and also, I am I am the I am the 450 B main guy. That's also a good idea. Won't happen, you know. I am also that guy. 450 B main. Let's do it. So, <laughs> I agree, but I just don't think it's gonna happen. Right, right. Um, it should happen. It's logical. Yeah. So that's you know, I've heard plenty of ideas that we need to have maybe a third class, like a cedar. 
right or a b main like you're saying yeah i just don't buy any of it unfortunately yep um yeah. from la defense lax defense coach should the ama bring back the rule to earn supercross license points via arena cross to continue to pump the kicker series back up <laughs> uh lax defense coach who we interact with quite a bit on twitter is he not aware that that's not a felt series so why would they care okay all right fair enough um yeah that rule, by the way, goes down as maybe the most ridiculous thing since Steve Whitelock decided to name Supercross the Supercross class. So, um, <laughs> hey, Forkner, we're not, were, we're not we're quite sure you're ready, Forkner. We're not quite sure you're ready. Go to this Arena Cross series. You know. Um, I know, but, but let, me, let me counter with one thing. Here's what I heard. Everybody said they're like, no, man, they're not going to make the Forkners and the Plessinger of the world do it. They'll make an exception. They'll hook up the factory riders. They'll make it easy on the so-called superstars. They did not. But but Dylan Ferrandez, Dylan Ferrandez, come on over. No problem. Okay. Well, yes, they needed that is what. But that's not the conspiracy theory and, that we had. No, no, they're I, just no. like they're not going to make right. factory guys do and, it. Yes, they needed to build in a, an MXGP. Right. And, uh, uh Ro- sure. Hey, Ronnie yeah. Ford, you can keep racing. No problem. You're a, you're a hazard out there, but you've already got your points. Anyways, back on track. Uh, at Tanner. Well, no, oh. the Ronnie Ford thing was the perfect example. He was grandfathered, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, that's what I'm saying. He was grandfathered and he shouldn't have been out there. So if you're really concerned with being ready for Supercross, pull Ronnie Ford, you know, out. Pull these guys out because if you're really concerned about having guys on the track that can ride. That was my whole point. Well, wouldn't they be able to counter and say, that's what we're trying to prevent ever from happening in the future? Yes. Now, everyone, now we will finally have a universal standard, unlike the Ronnie Ford days where we did not. Right. But they should have gone back and pulled him if they were worried about the readiness of riders. All right. Yeah. At Tanner, Huotar, or Tari or something, uh, we Supercross MX pros, you could see having a future racing off-road. Wait, what? Riders? Yes. What's the question? What's well, supercross- I got bad news for everybody. Okay. I got bad news. We've always just stamped that Zacco would do this, right? We have. We have. It's done. Yes. It's done. It happened. Yes. Talking to Zacco last week, he's getting older. He is not sure that when his days of battling for supercross and motocross wins are over, he's going to have any gas left in the tank. Really? Really? Yes. It might not happen. It, you know, he'll cross that bridge when he gets to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it might not happen. Is there anything weirder than having Andrew Short racing rally? Yeah. Uh, I don't even think if you told Shorty he was going to do that three years before he did it. Yeah. He wouldn't have said he would do it. Right. Does that make sense? Yep. Uh, other riders that could? Well, I mean, obviously I could say Plessinger, but that's the most obvious answer of all time. So so uh, besides him, I come up with an answer besides him? No, that's fine. That's good. Um, uh, at S. Morsky 281, any other info on Anderson going to Yamaha or anything on Bobby Hewitt making a new team? Uh, I'm hearing the Hewitt thing might not happen. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe ran into some snags. Uh, and then the Anderson thing, I mean, I think, I mean, I, I guess they want him, but does that mean he's going to sign? I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I feel like Anderson's going to do Oxstar Husky or Star Yamaha, right? I mean, that, that'll be it. It is a little weird to me. I don't usually oversell um, how important the energy drinks are in making these decisions like a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think the energy drinks have way more clout and stroke than they actually do. It's still a manufacturer, factory team-based deal. But, gosh, Anderson is so Rockstar branded. Yes. Yeah, he is. Yep. That's a big, that's a big jump. That's one of the few... Like, look, when Dunge went from Suzuki to KTM, did anyone say, but Dunge has always been a rock star guy. He's going to be Red Bull KTM now? Did anyone care? Yeah, no, yeah, no, nobody cared, right? Nobody yep. cared. Right. This is one of the few that I could be like, man, if you're a rock star, you got to be like, man, Anderson is our guy. How could we let this happen? Uh, at Rides Advantage ATV, uh, do you think Paul goes for an outdoor title this year now that he's pretty much wrapped up the Supercross title? It's the only thing that would make the resume of Paul Webb look better, or will he just relax and enjoy the fruits of his Supercross labor? No, I think it's going to be a lot better this year. I think that first-time Supercross title is a big, big step, and I don't think the level of exhale or hangover or whatever you want to call it happens this time. And remember... He was still pretty new. Like, he was basically hurt 
the first two 450 seasons outdoor on Yamaha, I barely even rode it. Yep. Right? Yep. So in a way, that 2019 season was practically his first 450 outdoor season. And look, if you go to Cooper Webb, I'm going to call him Cooper, and you say, look, Zach, I won the title last year. There's no way Webb is like, well, I got nothing for that guy. Like, if he wins, if, if I got to be at his level, I'm not saying he thinks he's better than Zach, yeah, but, but he's got to at least feel yeah. like he's in the hunt. Right. He's like, I could do yeah. that. Right. I can do that. Right. Yeah, I could be as good as Zach. Right. So, uh, no, I think it would be a lot better than 2019. I do feel a little bad. Now, we just said we don't know if Kenny's going to line up. Is there a part of Kenny who is just taking such a beating these days from everybody saying Webb owns him, Webb is his head, Webb's his daddy, all this stuff? Isn't there a part of Kenny to be like, have you ever watched us ride outdoors together? Yeah. Because I'm like, I will. I destroyed it. It's not even close. We're not even in the same realm. Yeah. Kenny has two. Just a little bit of Kenny. Kenny yeah. has two 450 motocross championships. Two. Yes. And he's and he's yeah. always said how like, much better he is outdoors. Yes. So there's got to be a little bit of Kenny. And it's like, man, why does no one? Can you please just think about outdoors for five minutes and remember that I own this dude? I didn't even own him. They weren't even in the same league. Now, maybe it'd be different this year. But as of now, right. it's not even close. We can't end the Twitter questions without a two-stroke question uh, from Cup 208 Class X two-stroke series, which I have no idea what that is. Class X two-stroke series is getting pretty popular. Should AMA sanction a two-stroke national like how the four-stroke nationals were ran back in the day? As a standalone event, I can see it. I don't think like the world two strokes or whatever they call it at uh, Glen Helen. I don't think there'd be anything like horribly bad if that was like an event they did, uh, you know, with an AMA sanction on it. But as far as being part of a series, yeah, not going to happen. It is not going to happen. <laughs> AMA doesn't make the rules. The three factories that do not make two strokes will say, do not do it because we want to show up at races and have a chance to win you cannot set up a class that we can't even compete in. Now, I know what everybody's saying. And it would force them to do it. It doesn't work that way. Right. No, because it does not. You know what, Kawasaki, just to name one, they have the greatest argument of all time. You already, you and your rules forced us to make four strokes. You already made us spend tens of millions of dollars to change. We're not doing it again. You are. You did this to us. <laughs> they did. We're not doing it again. They did. Hey, 550cc yep. four-strokes are legal. Go ahead. That, yeah. They made the rule. Yes. Yep. Yep. They made the rule. So you have a perfect logical argument if you're them. Be like, no, no, no. We're not spending $10 million a second time because you guys are dumb. <laughs> yes, exactly. Absolutely. So yep. You can make the rule. We all know. The teams, they make the sport go round. They're the ones that are spending the millions of dollars to put the show on. You can't just bend them over. It doesn't work that way. Right, right. Okay. All right. Fair enough. And how many times have you explained sorry. this? And, well, I'll go one step further, everybody. I'm sorry to say it. But in the 90s, they made two-stroke everything. They made two-stroke everything. Everything was two-stroke. Along the way, it's all changed. MotoGP is four-stroke. Outdoor power pools are four-stroke. Chainsaws. Jet skis. They make four-strokes now. Jet skis. Jet skis. They make them as four-strokes. ATVs. In the 80s, they just took 252-stroke motors and put them in ATVs and three-wheelers. They don't do it anymore. It's a, it's a different world than it used to be. Why would they want a corner of their R&D department to build the latest, greatest 252-stroke motor to sell 3,000 motorcycles a year. And I know KTM does it. I know KTM does it. The entire industry doesn't understand how KTM do, does it. <laughs> uh, the Japanese are scratching their heads right now. Right. They can't figure this out. Yeah. Fly Racing Moto 60 Show with Jason Wygant, brought to you by Pro Taper, Maxis, FMF Vision, and Get. Uh, dirt track this weekend for you, Weege. No Salt Lake City 2. You are back with Ralph Shaheen, Kristen Beat. Dirt track and Mission Tortillas. Well, yeah, your fave, dude, your fave. Um, so, Ralph is. Uh, we have a three-man booth. You still there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, we have a three-man booth. Uh, Brian Smith, who's a racer in the series, is not racing in this event, so we're going to bring him in to do TV. But at the same time, they're saying, well, he's never done any TV before, so let's bring in Ralph as a buffer. So we'll have three guys for more banter. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, Ralph and I teaming up, baby. You guys are back. Back together. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yep. That yep. should be big. I'm going to ask Ralph. I, I'm a, I assume he's still following the races. Like, I'm going to ask what he thinks about what, what's happened this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, please do. We need, we need Ralph. Got we you. need 
find out what's you need going Ralph on. Ralph takes? takes. Oh, I need Ralph takes. I need a music more music takes from Ralph than anything. But oh, well, that's all you care about. That's true. Yeah, but yeah. We'll, well, Ricky will be yeah. there, right? Ricky Rackman? Rackman. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the problem. This is a weird thing. The race we're doing it live, but we're doing it from the Charlotte studio, not the track. So we will oh. not see Ricky Rackman. Oh, ever. because Ricky and Ralph. I mean, that would be. Oh, that is you, dangerous. That is, can you imagine those two guys just going oh. at it? Oh, the stories and, and the, the name and dropping stories. and the name dropping. Both of them would be they'd be oh. they'd be trying to one up each other with name drops left and right. It'd be phenomenal. So. Uh, you just throw your phone down and be like, go through my contacts and see who I got. Yeah, you? yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Right. So, all right, yeah. Weege. Well, hey, man, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, really appreciate it. And Michael Antonovich as well. Uh, thanks for coming on. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk soon, man. Thank you. All right, see ya. See ya. That's Jason Wygant, everybody, from the uh, RacerX Online and RacerX Magazine, Fly Racing Moto 60 Show. Please check those guys out, flyracing.com. And thanks for your questions on Twitter. Get Pro Taper. FMF Vision, Maxis, all on board with us as are uh, you people for this little ride. So thanks very much. Enjoy Salt Lake City, too.